How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bo's Football Final here at KHON2.com and everywhere you download podcasts. I'm your host, Rob DeMello, and joining me, Spectrum Sports Analyst, former University of Hawaii offensive lineman, RJ Hollis. And RJ, we have got a lot to talk about here on BFF because it is officially game week for the Rainbow Warriors as they get ready to take on the Houston Cougars in the New Mexico Bowl in Frisco, Texas. Kickoff on Thursday is set for 10.30 in the morning Hawaii time on ESPN. So for sure, we got to talk a lot about the New Mexico Bowl, the first bowl game away from the islands for the University of Hawaii football program since the Sugar Bowl in 2008 as they would try to win their first game in the postseason away from the island since 1992 when they won the Holiday Bowl beating Illinois after their first WAC championship season. So we'll be talking about that. We also got to talk about the first of two National Letter of Intent signing days for the class of 2021 as the Rainbow Warriors welcomed seven new members to the UH football team for next season. So we're going to unpack that. And then, of course, the doozy, the big one last week was the announcement that the University of Hawaii football team is in search for a new home field as it stands right now for the 2021 season. And so there is a lot to unpack there. RJ, first things first, when you look at just over the last eight days, you have UH going to a bowl game that they didn't expect to be invited to. You got seven new members of the Rainbow Warrior football team in recruiting for the class of 2021. And then you got the Aloha Stadium drama. Safe to say the craziest week of UH football that you've ever been a part of? Oh, easily. I mean, without a doubt. I've, I've been in the bowl game. And when we, you know, got that announcement, that was crazy enough and enough news to fill three days but you know you got new guys coming in with COVID you gotta figure out how many guys are going out you get seven recruits and then the the absolute heartbreaker it was to hear about the shutting down of Aloha Stadium so it's just I mean it's been such a roller coaster and up and down of emotions and I mean to all be jam-packed in one week anybody that follows Hawaii football Hey, I, I feel for you because, you know, it's <laughs> definitely been one crazy week of really just ups and downs, especially when you look at how unexpected, you know, two out of these three events were, one being the bowl game, which nobody expected, and the second obviously being uh, Aloha Stadium, which uh, maybe was a little bit more expected, but it still was, you know, gut-wrenching news to hear. Well, let's talk about that one first, uh, Aloha Stadium, and you mentioned roller coaster, you mentioned up and down, I mean, that is it in a nutshell, where you look at on Thursday morning, uh, a couple of different outlets reporting that something big was coming with Aloha Stadium, um, citing maintenance and financial issues that the stadium would be shutting down moving forward. Uh, the Aloha Stadium, a couple of hours after that, came out with an official statement saying that there was a temporary moratorium on new events and reduction in operations announced for Aloha Stadium. And essentially, when they first made the announcement, pretty much making it clear that they would not be taking on any new events moving forward. The things that are on the books, things that are scheduled to happen here in the coming months would go on because there are no fans, like the Hula Bowl, which will be played in January. That will continue. No fans are allowed into the stadium. The Hula Bowl will be played. But once you go through that schedule and all the events that are planned to, to, to happen here, then they would not be taking on any new events. Um, 
after that, a little bit after that, Aloha Stadium um, maintained that it is not due to any structural issues. It has nothing to do with anything, you know, with maintenance. This is purely financial amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but the interesting part about that is that a couple of hours after the Aloha Stadium makes their announcement, then the University of Hawaii comes out with their announcement that if you read between the lines, kind of gives off a little bit more information than Aloha Stadium did. And, and that's with uh, David Matlin, the UH Athletics Director, saying, quote, we are beyond disappointed of the news at today's announcement from the Aloha Stadium Authority that there will be no further events in the current stadium with fans. That is something that the Aloha Stadium did not say. The University of Hawaii is saying that they are being told that there will be no new events with fans. Um, and that they go on to say that uh, they must now, and speaking of UH, must now take responsibility ourselves to find a suitable venue for our Rainbow Warriors Hawaii's football team to play in front of our loyal fans beginning in 2021. And so again, th this story will develop in regards to Aloha Stadium and what is the issue? Um, is it something that, that you know, if COVID-19 um, is able to clear up or, you know, in the coming months that maybe the Aloha Stadium can go all back to normal? Or is it more maintenance issues that because of COVID-19 and the financial issues that come with it caused more problems with maintaining the structure that was built in 1975 that has gone through so many issues here over the years. A couple of years ago, you had Scott Chan from the Aloha Stadium Authority saying that if this structure doesn't get $30 million over the next two years, they would be unable to be suitable for fans. Well, two years later, it has not gotten $30 million. So that's where we at, where we are at right now. But again, this will develop over the months, over the weeks, over the days, hopefully, because that means you have a little bit more clarity. But regardless, this is Bo's football final, and the focus is on University of Hawaii football. And no matter what way you spin it, what we are talking about today is that as it stands right now, the Rainbow Warrior football team, the UH Athletics Department, is still actively searching for a home field in 2021. To hear that, RJ, knowing that it is unclear where game one in the 2021 season will take place for the UH football team. How concerning is that? Um, it, it's, it's pretty concerning. I, I do feel like they will be able to, to figure something out. There has been, you know, quite a tremendous support for UH in the past few years, but it, it is concerning. There, there aren't many venues on the Island of Oahu that can hold the 15,000 mandated to be a division one team. So one thing that fans and, and people have to understand is that in order for them to hold division one football, the venue has to hold 15,000. So I think the biggest concern becomes the logistics of that more so than finding, you know, a place where you can have a supportive football game. I'm pretty sure if they said that they could hold it at TC Ching, well, it would just sell out every week. But the thing that people have to understand is you got to get 15,000 allowable seats at each and every division one football game. And I think that is the most concerning part is that regardless of, you know, the support they get or the offers they get that logistically you still have to meet the figures of getting 15,000 at your games. Not only that, you also have to accommodate the visitor team, the visiting team, hotels, scheduling, all of that. So everything that's the usual travel schedule is going to be different. Everything that, you know, player personnel has to go through as far as 
their normal partners and their normal hotels. Well, that's all going to switch up. So, you know, there's definitely going to be a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But I think the most concerning part is finding a pace logistically that can fit 15,000 people week in and week out and support an entire football season. You know, I, I do think that given the circumstances, uh, I I don't think the NCAA is going to hold the University of Hawaii to that. You've seen right, things right. in the past where, because really it's, you know, there there are two rules. One is 15,000 seats. And then the other is you have to average over 8,000 fans uh, coming right. into the games. Right, and that is right. something that San Jose State was given waivers for for many years here recently um, because right. they did not reach that number. And so the NCAA works with programs given certain situations. And this is one that is out of the University of Hawaii football team's hands. I think if it was an on-campus stadium that was going through these issues and all of a sudden they said, we can't play here next season, then I think the NCAA may view it differently. But again, this is out of UH's hands. And I do think that especially with no matter what way you spin it, um, in regards to what is going on with Aloha Stadium, it is in a way um, because of COVID-19, right? I mean, what, if, if it's a maintenance issue, it's because you don't get, you're not getting the proper money into the building in order to right. work on the building. So therefore that's a COVID-19 issue at, at the end of the day, right? And, or, and, and let's say that um, the, the stadium's fine, it's structurally safe, and they can host a Super Bowl next week, but they just don't have any money to pay uh, staff members and parking attendants, you know, and all that, um, which is kind of strange because the UH football team pays for all of that uh, in order to hold games there. But let's just say that that's the case, then, um, yeah, I think the NCAA will work with the University of Hawaii on that. Um, but you bring up a good point to where, where do you play? The football games, uh, you know, War Memorial Stadium on Maui holds 15,000. The UH football team hosted a game there in 2001 against Montana. So you know that it is doable if that venue is ready and, and up to speed in regards to hosting a Division One football game. There is also local high schools that you can look at. Uh, there's TC Clarence TC Ching Field on campus that you would have to do some work to um, and add some some metal bleachers, perhaps uh, around the 3,000 that it already holds on the concrete structure. Um, there are so many. I, I saw people writing in saying that, well, why don't they play in Las Vegas? You know, that there's a lot of local people there that would support. And I mean, so I, I don't think that's an option. I don't think that's something that they will be looking at. But with all that being said, there are many brainstorming sessions, I imagine, going on with the University of Hawaii football team right now in regards to where to play a game in 2021 and possibly beyond, more than likely beyond. So I ask you this, in the R.J. Hollis crystal ball, where does the University of... Oh, no one's supposed to know about the crystal ball? Oh, my bad, dude. Our secret. Now they know. Ah, my, now everyone knows. That's why you're able to break everything down so good. But <laughs> So in 2021, first home game of the season for the University of Hawaii football team, where do you think that takes place? Well, in all honesty, when you say the first, I would definitely have to go with War Memorial Stadium. Uh, it does hold 15,000. The flight outer island is not that long. It's not that far. And if you're coming from the mainland, there's almost no alteration to your flight schedule. Uh, I think that they would be very supportive of it on, on the other islands, you know, and I feel like it would actually be quite a change of pace for Hawaii football in itself, you know, to see a stadium that only holds 15,000. Well, 
normally you're in Aloha Stadium, which holds 50. And we actually discussed this before the last Spectrum game. A lot of times it could be misleading when you have such a giant stadium and it's not all the way filled up. You would think fans don't come. But when you go to, you know, War Memorial, where the capacity is now 15,000, well, now you got players coming out to a sold out stadium. So I think for, you know, the distance, not having to go that far. I think for morale, I think for pricing, I mean, we all know how construction is on the islands. It's hard to get stuff in here. A lot of stuff has to be brought in. And if they're going to do it new, obviously they're going to want to do it state of the art. So that means it's going to take even longer. So for the sake of, you know, being able to have a true home game, because another option might've been in Vegas, a lot of ninth Islanders. And, you know, that's kind of the, center point for a lot of Mountain West travel. So that could have been another option. But I think for UH being a team that is kind of getting its juice back, getting its flow, Joe, aiming for three winning seasons, conference championship last year, a new regime that they want to go. I definitely think they try to uh, go for War Memorial Stadium and a sellout uh, for the first game. That's that's something in my crystal ball, too. That wasn't part of the question, but I just. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, I like it, man. I like it. And I, and I do think that is a viable option, World Memorial Stadium on Maui. Uh, there's a couple of scenarios in my head that, you know, it, it, we're also assuming that the COVID-19 pandemic would be over by right. then, right? And that fans right. can come to the stadium because that is right. something that, that should be talked about, too, where if there are no fans then I don't see why you can't play at Aloha Stadium, no, right? That, and and, and so you just did it a few weeks ago. And right. so, and and as the University of Hawaii release, you know, had said in, in David Matlin's statement about the matter was this really just all comes down to not being able to have events at the current Aloha Stadium with fans. And so um, if there are no fans, then they're, there's no problem, I imagine, right? I mean, the Hula Bowl is about to play a game there with no fans. So uh, that is one thing that, yes, if fans are allowed, then you're looking at you're in quite the predicament because the University of Hawaii cannot play in an empty stadium if you can have fans because the lost revenue and tickets will be the biggest thing. And that's why I feel like playing road games or going to Vegas, you know, you're going to have issues with the amount of tickets that you sell. I mean, if you're thinking about going to Vegas, you might as well play at Clarence TC Ching Field without adding any structure and just having 3,000 seats because you're going to get 3,000 tickets sold. If you go to Vegas, I don't know if you get 3,000 tickets sold. So um, definitely this is something we'll be talking about for many, many months here. um, And let's hope that whatever it is that happens, that it's something that the University of Hawaii can handle here uh, as you move forward to the 2021 season. But again, um, before we we close the book on this and and start talking about the next task at hand, Aloha Stadium, if this is it for Aloha Stadium in regards to University of Hawaii football playing at that venue, um, your memories of that stadium, how special is that place to you? Um, as we possibly say goodbye to the building that was built in 1975? Uh, I mean, Aloha Stadium will be a part of my life as long as I am alive. Uh, My kids will hear about it. My grandchildren will hear about it. It's got so much, you know, importance to me, so much value to me. You know, when I came to the islands, I, I was just a guy. I was just RJ, just some guy, you know, trying to figure out, what he's going to do in life, trying to use football to navigate it through. And a lot of my biggest stepping stones, both on the field and off the field, all occurred 
at Aloha Stadium. My first Division One play ever was against Utah State in 2014. We were in the All Green. I got one play and I had to come out, but hey, that was that, that was my first you know time ever stepping on a Division One field. My first start against Colorado, where we beat a Power Five team. We didn't do great for the rest of the season, but you know to to have your first start being over a Power Five team, you know that's just amazing. And then obviously. The, the Hawaii Bowl where I got B-roll with, you know, my man Max Holloway after winning a championship, the first championship win in over 10 years and being the most inspirational player on that team. You know, that's just one part of it. But also my first game as an analyst was at uh, Aloha Stadium. The final game ever shot at Aloha Stadium, if it is ending, RJ Hollis was on that Spectrum Sports Super Crew with my man Rob DeMello and Kavika Hallams, Rich Miano, all, you know, Robert K. Calla, all these people who have such great ties to this community that's allowed me to be a part of it, that, you know, uh, allow me to do what I'm even doing now, being able to chop it up with you at the Brick House. I mean, all of that stuff just is, is revolved and evolves around everything I've done at Aloha Stadium. So if it is the last and final game. I've taken enough memories with me in my short time here to last me a lifetime. And like I said, you know, whenever I have a little baby Hollis, he gonna hear about Aloha Stadium. He gonna see pictures of his dad playing Colorado, wearing the all black, doing the, you know, squad chant after the Hawaii Bowl win and, and, and talking about Coach Rolo all the way up to me being an analyst and, and talking about how you gave me my first you know, internship, my pop quiz, and, and let me go be a part of the Spectrum crew that now I get to continue to have as a career. So, you know, man, I, I'm actually really, I don't know if you can hear it, I'm, I'm trying to fight back a little bit of emotion just because, like, you know, that place is really important to me. I, I, Hawaii is a huge part of my life, but stepping stones as far as what I've been able to do in a career, they've all occurred at Aloha Stadium. So, uh, I mean... The value I have for that place, I can't speak for everybody else, but the value I have for it, I mean, I, I think I'll find it hard to be unmatched. No high school field, no junior college field, no football field I've ever stepped foot on will have half the value that Aloha Stadium had for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and, and for good reason, uh, you know, showing that emotion and know what it means to you. I mean, we've talked about this long before this announcement was made and long before any discussions, uh, you know, we thought we had a lot more time with this current Aloha Stadium. We still may. I mean, who knows? Yes, um, uh, but uh, Aloha Stadium is definitely a special place. And, and, and like I've told you, I mean, I've said it many, many times here on Bo's Football Final. Rich Miano loves to joke around about it on Spectrum about you know, going to every single UH football game, sitting next to my dad in section MM red, row yes. two, seat two, never missed the game until I got into the industry. And then, you know, what was funny is that I missed a ton of games, uh, you know, in the beginning of my career, because I always had to work the weekends in the studio uh, back at, um, you know, when, when I was coming up uh, here in this business. But uh, it's definitely a very special place. And like I said, we're going to talk a lot more about Aloha Stadium in the coming weeks and months. And, and so don't want to get hung up too much on that. We will see what happens with Aloha Stadium. And, and hopefully, regardless of what happens with the current Aloha Stadium, hopefully the new Aloha Stadium, which has been in the works for many, many years, finally gets that green light, uh, you know, and a pick hits the dirt and they can get this thing going. And hopefully in four years, uh, let, let, let's really hope that it can open up 
and right. you can have a new era of University of Hawaii football. Well, speaking of a new era of University of Hawaii football, we got new players coming in to the Rainbow Warrior football team because the first of two National Letter of Intent signing days took place last week, Wednesday, um, where the Rainbow Warrior football team head coach Todd Graham signed a seven-member class. He said after that he anticipates maybe signing maybe seven to ten more uh, players uh, coming in February to complete that class. But let's go over the class that he brought in here. Uh, linebacker Joshua Berthelot from New Orleans, Louisiana. Kobe Burton, who is a freshman defensive back from McNeese State, a transfer. You got Jordan Johnson, a running back from Dallas, Texas, a, a high school standout uh, out of Allen High School, a, a very premier program there in the state of Texas. Uh, Tariq Jones, a defensive lineman from New Orleans uh, out of McDonough High School uh, in Louisiana. You got Sonny Semeatu, a linebacker from Mililani High School. Solo Turner, who is a transfer from Baylor, coming out of Frisco, Texas. And that's where the Rainbow Warrior football team is going to be playing in their bowl game. Uh, again, he's a junior linebacker. And then you're looking at Kobe Wyatt, a tight end from the University of Georgia, a transfer there from the SEC program. So you're looking at four high school players. You got three transfers, including two from Power Five programs. So first things first, the overall class. Uh, it's a class that Todd Graham says uh, epitomizes strength and speed. That is the common denominator among all seven players. What do you look at and how do you identify this seven member class on tape, on paper, before you actually see them here in Hawaii? Uh, I, I think it was definitely methodical. You could tell this coaching staff, you know, took time and uh, figured out the players that they wanted. They obviously are going to have some difficulty. So they knew that with COVID extending uh, eligibility, they knew they were going to have to be very specified in the recruits they got. They didn't get uh, any O-linemen that I remember, but they do have five seniors who I would presume most of them would be returning. So that's not necessarily a need spot. So as far as needs and what they needed, you could definitely tell this was a recruiting class that, was methodically picked out and these coaches went and got the exact players uh, that they wanted to get for their new regime. All right. So I'm, I'm going to ask you three different questions about this first half of the 2021 recruiting class with these seven members. Um, the first question is of all these players, which one do you feel is the most intriguing? Which one really gets you going like, Ooh, okay. So uh, I'm definitely going to have to say that's Tariq Jones, the noted D lineman out of New Orleans. I'm a real big tape guy. And on his tape, you know, it's sack party. It's strip sacks. He's really good at getting after the quarterback, violent hands. He's an edge rusher. But as a high schooler, he was listed as a linebacker. So when they have him listed as a D lineman in uh, the recruiting terms, it'll be intriguing to see how he makes that jump. Now, he has quite the pass rush, but in this war dog defense, there's been a lot of, you know, kind of three-man front where you have to get more into the tackle instead of always being that edge guy. So it'll be intriguing to see, you know, with development, because he is a high school guy, how Coach Graham grooms him and uses him up to be a part of that uh, war dog defense. So I definitely think it's going to be some intrigue in uh, Tariq Jones once he comes. All right, second question here the most important signee? What was the one that you feel 
what was the the player that was just the of the utmost importance and it could be for for need it could be for what it means moving forward it could be for pipeline i mean just the most important signee of this class in rj hollis's opinion who is it now in, in my opinion based off of the recent transfer of miles reed also looking at the amount of stud wide receivers you got returning I'm going to have to go with Jordan Johnson out of Allen, Texas. Uh, running back, he's got speed. He loves to hit downhill on the hole. And already having Day-Day Hunter is one good thing. But, you know, when you look at a lot of the uh, press conferences, Coach Graham mentions a lot of having multiple running backs, of having, you know, multiple guys that could do multiple things. And, you know, the receivers are kind of already set. you got Melky Stovall. you got Calvin Turner hopefully returning. You know, you got a lot of guys that can catch the ball. But as of right now, it seems the one thing that Hawaii is going to need to figure out is how to really establish that running game. You didn't get any O-linemen, so I think you're going to have even more seniors coming back next year. That's going to give you a lot of experience. But one thing we've all seen this year is a need for a running game. So, you know, you got him coming out of Allen, Texas, the same school as Kyler Murray, another Texas player. You know, Texas is absolutely in the love with football it's religion out there you know and anybody that's from texas will tell you that so when you get a big time player from a premier school like allen texas which you can compare to getting you know a top st louis guy or or a top kahuku guy you know it'd be very important a lot of people would be like oh that's a good pick and definitely with miles Reed transferring with a lot of wide receivers and chevin cordero returning i think the running game needs a lot more emphasis I think he'll be able to, to help out with that. All right. I like it. And then the last question about this recruiting class, I want to ask you who makes the most immediate impact to this football team? Uh, I think this one was pretty easy. It's going to be Kobe Wyatt, the big tight end out of the university of Georgia. Two reasons. One, you, you were at the university of Georgia. So playing against sec competition, you know, whether, on the field or even practicing, you're used to a, a very high caliber of talent. You're coming from a powerhouse the championship program. So as far as character, as far as, you know, coming in and wanting to grind, I can definitely see him being a good addition in that part. But the biggest part is that he's a tight end. And as we all know, in the run and shoot, there were no tight ends recruited. There were no, you know, big body wide receivers that they even wanted to call a wide receiver, but was actually a tight end. There weren't even pretend tight ends. So this right here was probably the biggest and will be the most impactful because of the regime change. They want to get tight ends in. They want to get, you know, running backs that can do multiple things, which let's kind of leads me to believe they're definitely going to want to emphasize the running game. They're definitely going to want to have some guys that can block, but also catch. This is a big body tight end coming from a good program. So I think as far as immediate impact, uh, he should show up on that field and almost instantly be a game changer for the Bulls. Yeah, you know, and I talked to, to Kobe on National Letter of Intent signing day after he had put pen to paper with the Rainbow Warriors. And it was interesting talking to him where, you know, we talked about he was a, a basketball player growing up. He played one year of high school football. And this tells you everything you need to know about right. Kobe Wyatt and how impressive he is as an athletic uh, project, you can call it, <laughs> is that he played one year of high school football and got a scholarship offer from the University of Georgia. And he played, <laughs> he played defensive line in high school. 
and got a scholarship offered to the University of Georgia where they wanted to make him a tight end. And so, I mean, that just tells you that this guy uh, is just oozing of athleticism. And when you could put that onto this football team uh, with some of the concepts that they want to run, um, you got to remember is that they ran tight ends this year. They just didn't have any natural tight ends doing right. it, right? You had Kelly Iliki in there. You had um, Derek Thomas move over from the defensive line uh, right. to, to fill that role. And so now you have a tight end that can do the things that, that they were trying to do, uh, but then also be a threat on offense, be a threat to catch the ball. So uh, definitely uh, an instant impact type of player. I agree with you on that. And, and I'm in total agreement with you with everything you just said. The one thing I just want to add is Sonny Semeatu from Mililani, just huge for that Mililani pipeline because Rod York and company know what they're doing. Ma'atanu Vasa, everyone there with the Trojan program, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it just reminds me so much of Darius Musa where you watched him in high school and, and you see him play and you're like, man, this kid is a stud. He can right. do everything. He is an right. athletic freak. Mm-hmm. Why is he not being recruited? And just like Darius Musa, the University of Hawaii is the only team to offer him a, a scholarship. He jumps on and uh, I anticipate him being another player that is going to make big plays for this University of Hawaii football team because like we've seen with Kuali Nishigai in the final two weeks of the season, if right. you can play some football, if you are a oh, yeah. baller, oh, yeah. it is going to come out. All you need is an opportunity. So that's another player that uh, definitely fits into that mold of maybe doesn't fit into the template size of a Madden creative player if you're going to be mm-hmm. making a linebacker. Mm-hmm. But right. this is a guy that is only going to get bigger um, you know, on genetics and, and, and he already has that raw athleticism and he's instinctive. Uh, so definitely a, a player that I'm going to be very interested in seeing in spring ball or in, in fall camp. Um, I'm hoping that the media can cover them in camp once again, right. like, like I've been used to for so many years up until yeah. this year, but uh, definitely, uh, like I said, in February, they will be adding to the class on the second national letter of intent signing day. You brought up a good point where you would imagine that some offensive linemen will be in there. You could anticipate a quarterback being signed um, and maybe some more defensive linemen. Um, as you look at the age of some of the, the positions here, whether or not players return to the UH football team with the eligibility, um, this is a team that is going to age out soon here over the next couple of years. So you have to start getting players in there. So now let's talk about the bowl game. The New Mexico Bowl, University of Hawaii against Houston on Christmas Eve. Again, kickoff 1030 in the morning, Hawaii time on ESPN. This is a rematch of the 2003 Hawaii Bowl, which was won in triple overtime by the Warriors, which ended in a brawl, which is one of the most memorable Hawaii Bowls Ever, but here we are now 17 years later. They're gonna do it again. Um, but the Cougars come in here at three and four in the season. But again, the, the schedules don't really matter because in a normal year, Houston could be three and four and and end up at nine and four, right? And in, in, in right. a bowl game. So you only got half a season. You don't know how it would have played out with a normal season. They had a handful of games canceled, rescheduled. Right. I mean, they really dealt through some serious COVID-19 issues throughout the season, but it will be their 28th all-time bowl game appearance uh, when they hit the field to take on the University of Hawaii. So I know you've been looking at the Cougars, looking at the matchup. What jumps out uh, on paper to you when Hawaii and Houston match up, 
Houston are 12 point favorites. I think the last I saw um, over 10 point favorites for sure. Uh, what, what intrigues you most about this matchup between the, the uh, two UHs? Well, it's funny because you kind of alluded to what my answer is going to be when the last thing, two UHs. <laughs> I want to watch film on uh, Houston and it was almost like looking in the mirror or something very similar to what you would see uh, watching a University of Hawaii game. This is a defense that seems to be the strength of, you know, their team in general. Granted, you know, they had the, the they're, they're susceptible to big offensive plays, but for the most part, they play that bend, don't break style of defense. Offensively, they're definitely trying to figure it out. Uh, the man under helm is definitely who they depend on in their quarterback. And these are both quarterbacks that are following you know, QBs that left great legacies at their respective schools. Uh, Derek King for Houston, obviously Cole McDonald for Hawaii. So actually, I think the craziest thing to me was just the similarities. I mean, um, they have a stud linebacker. He plays very violent. He's a good left to right guy, just like our Darius Muasau. So I think really when you just look at how similar these teams are on paper and, you know, really how Houston gets after it, that that's kind of a, a similarity that they have. And when you're watching film, you know, that's really the one thing you notice. These are two teams that seem very even, or excuse me, very evenly matched. So I think watching this game, I'm, I'm going to be very excited just to see how these defenses play and how these offenses look to improve what they've, you know, been able to put on paper for the season. Yeah, and Houston comes with senior linebacker Grant Stewart, uh, named to the American Athletic Conference first team, along with return specialist Marcus Jones. You got defensive lineman Peyton Turner, who was a second team selection there with the AAC. Um, and, and I think you're absolutely right where this is a Houston offense that has shown flashes of brilliance, just like the University of Hawaii, but consistency has been an issue. And then when you look at defense where they've played takeaway, they've been aggressive, but they've had games this season where the big play just blew up in their face and, and, right. and set up situations that they couldn't get out of like the University of Hawaii football team did here in this season. Um, so I agree that this is a very intriguing game. Obviously, I, I mean, I agree with the odds makers that Houston should be viewed as the favorite, especially when you look at Houston is playing in Texas for this bowl game and the rainbow warrior football team is traveling over there. So if this was a regular season game, Hawaii at Houston, you'd imagine that they'd be favorites there too. Um, but again, it's postseason time. This is a time where both teams probably thought that their seasons are over. And then you got to snap like that and get back into the mentality of going from, all right, I'm going to clean out my locker tomorrow to, oh, there's another game going on. I need to get back into that mindset. So who can do that? I think would definitely uh, create an edge for uh, whoever's going to walk out here holding a trophy. For the University of Hawaii football team, the importance of this game, RJ. I mean, obviously, uh, 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 getting a win is huge. It would be the 100th career victory for head coach Todd Graham. Very significant for him. Uh, for the team, it would be a bowl victory away from the islands, which is something that hasn't been done since 1992. It would be back-to-back -back bowl game victories for the first time since 2004, I believe it would be. Um, and then you look at just what it means setting up moving forward. It's a winning season. It's a big win catapulting yourself to 2021. So, uh, RJ, 
the importance of this game for the building of this program as recruiting continues and everything. Uh, am I talking it up too much? I mean, is, is this a game that is, hey, if they could win, great, but it's most important that there's just a good showing uh, here in recruiting season? I mean, I, how do you view this? No, you're, you're not talking it up at all. And actually, if you heard everything Rob just said, you hit pretty much everything on the head. I mean, this is a team that had a lot of question mark games. And I mean, we're, if we're just going to be honest here, you look at the Mountain West Conference as it is, San Jose State just won the Mountain West Conference Championship. Now, for anybody that's been following UH or Mountain West football, you will understand how crazy that is. San Jose beat Boise, which makes it even more crazy. But all of this is relating back to UH playing San Jose and UH playing Boise. They were much more in the Boise State game than they were in the San Jose State game. And without conferences, if you beat Boise, you're actually possibly making it back to the conference championship. Now you look at the fact that Aloha Stadium may or may not be shut down. You look at the fact that you have a starting running back that transferred. You have quite a few people of, of you know, not prolific uh, standing, but at the same time, these were players in past years. These were guys that, you know, put time in in the black and green and they're in the transfer portal. It's a new regime. There's no uh, Aloha stadium with fans as we discussed. So right now, almost every single aspect of Hawaii football has a question mark around it. And I feel like going to beat a team as talented as Houston, because make no mistake about it. You will see once the game starts that the record doesn't really show you who this team is. This is a good team. And like you said, they're playing in Texas. So for Hawaii to be able to go on the road against all odds, losing transfers, finding out you lost Aloha Stadium, but still being able to beat a team in its own home state with your new regime and only seven new players coming in, I think you just ease a lot of the stress. You remove a lot of the unwanted question marks of what can this team do? What can this team be? Because there's already enough. You don't know where you're going to play. We don't know which players are going to transfer. You know, if Calvin Turner is going to become an NFL player or not. So being able to, you know, end the season off with not only a running record, but a solid performance against a solid team. Because regardless of what happens, Houston is a solid team. This is a good team. So for Hawaii, this is almost everything you wanted, everything you weren't really able to get, you know, even again, the performance against UNLV, a lot of people would call that a, a ugly win. UNLV being winless came in and pretty much gave Hawaii way more than they should have with a lot of energy, with a lot of effort, you know, stuff like that. So I think with Hawaii getting a bowl game, one final chance to wrap up what's been an absolutely crazy 2020 season for the first year of coach Todd Graham I think wrapping that up with a great performance in Frisco Texas coach Graham you from Texas so that's your home too as far <laughs> as I'm concerned this is absolutely what the Bulls ordered I mean they went up to L&L and said let me get the mixed plate in Frisco they gave them the mixed plate but now can you eat the mixed plate because there's a lot of food on there and Houston gonna give you everything you can eat so if UH can go show that they can play with the big dogs, that 
a couple of better decisions they would be in the Mount West Conference title game last year and with the performance they showed that they could be in the Mount West title game next year. I think that all rides with what you do in the New Mexico Bowl. So you might have think you talking it up, but I'll go ahead and double down on what you said. I think it's twice as important as almost any game they've had this year. You know, and I love it because uh, if if there was a bowl game that was a mixed plate, it would be the New Mexico Bowl <laughs> being played in Frisco, Texas. I tell you what, man, that's yeah, no, that's, no, a, well, that's, that's a mixed plate for you right there. Texas and the New Mexico. Okay, I got yeah, it. Yeah, that's twenty twenty in nutshell. I mean, try man, I, right. I, I can't wait to talk to my youngest son Nico one day and and telling him about like. Uh, yeah, so uh, in 2020, the University of Hawaii went up uh, to uh, Frisco, Texas and played in the New Mexico Bowl against the Houston Cougars. And he'd be like, what? What are you Wait, talking about? No, that old New Mexico. Yeah, a- man. Uh, you know, it's funny. Is my, you know, I, I say I can't wait to tell my youngest son, Nico, my, my older boy, Cole, I was telling him that UH was playing in a bowl game and, and I told him it was the New Mexico Bowl in Texas. And he just looked at me like, wait, what? Yeah, that don't. New Mexico's in Texas, and I said, "Oh no, no, no! Don't, don't go to school." No. <laughs> he probably so, went to the school the next day and like, "Uh, my dad said New Mexico's in yeah, Texas." Yeah, yeah. Hey, but <laughs> we will see what will happen here between the University of Hawaii and the University of Houston in the New Mexico Bowl in Texas. That is on Christmas Eve. 10:30 a.m. Hawaii time on ESPN. And before we close things out, I gotta say one thing, man. We had a lot of fun joking around a couple of weeks ago about San Jose State and the Twitter account. And there's, you know, you can't spell Honolulu without the L's. You know what? They did it, man. They went up and they beat Boise State. They won the conversation. You can say whatever you want. I'll give you the pass for the, for right now. You could say whatever you like. I'm, you know, it's one of those situations where. San Jose State, whether it was the WAC or whether it was the Mountain West Conference, for as long as UH and San Jose State have been conference partners, they had never been in this position. They had never been never. in this situation. And never. so in a weird way, it's almost like I'm proud of them, right? Like It's like, all right. Like, so, hey, man, hats off. San Jose State, that was impressive. Uh, Brent Brennan, uh, I, I mean, I don't know how San Jose State keeps that guy because he has to be on the top of the list in regards to to coaches that are uh, of of being hot right now. I mean, you look at Nick Rolovich going 28 and 27 in his UH career, never won a conference title, and they threw millions at him at Washington State. So I imagine Brent Brennan with what he's accomplished here, especially just in this season, going undefeated, winning the conference title, and beating the Kings of Boise State. Uh, That that man's uh, due for some zeros added to his paycheck, huh? Oh, no, most definitely. And... You know, I recently played, I graduated in 2016, and there was only one team I beat twice on the road. That was San Jose. So, and as far as turning it around, as far as, you know, coming from the bottom, like Drake said, started from the bottom, now we're here. I mean, I've been on Twitter, and I promise you, nobody will milk a championship more than (laughs) that. as far as following all the committee pages following all the undefeated pages jumping in with coastal carolina and all that but i will also say this nobody deserves to milk a championship more than san jose state say what you will about them say what you will about them having lack of fans about their location about them not winning they absolutely went out and grinded this entire 
football. I mean, even if you look at when they played Hawaii, putting up 21 points in the first quarter was one thing, but Hawaii came back within one possession and San Jose could have folded. I mean, this is a game that should have been home. Now it's at Aloha Stadium. It's a day game, so it's hot as all get out. I'm sweating trying to hide the shade. And they figured out a way to, you know, close that game off. You make Todd Graham use all three of his timeouts in one possession. So when they came here, I definitely saw a lot out of San Jose State that made me think, wow, this is you know, a lot better team than we give them credit for. But when they went to that Mount West championship, the biggest thing for me is when you saw their energy, when you saw their passion, when you saw how much it meant for them to be out on that field. I thought it would spell trouble for Boise State, but not to the point of a loss. So, you know, you got to give respect where respect is due. And right now, San Jose State sitting at the top of the Mount West championship. I tip my hat off to them. Much respect to the coach and the regime and what they do. And, you know, they, like us, were a team that was trying to figure out its way. You know, people were happy as all get out when Hawaii made it to the conference championship. Unfortunately, they didn't win it. But at the same time, that was a moment of celebration. So to actually win it and be San Jose State, I mean, we all know San Jose State is not the team to win the conference championship whatsoever. I seen one guy on Twitter who put down a $50 bet in October before the season started for San Jose to win the title game. He won 3000 extra dollars. That's how big of a odd they defied by doing that. So you definitely got to tip your hat off to San Jose state, you know, next year it's definitely going to be problems when they do face Hawaii, but for now they can enjoy it. I commend them. And I think they should milk each and every championship tweet they can get out. Absolutely, man. Big ups to San Jose State on that Mountain West Conference title. And like I said, Hawaii and Houston in the New Mexico Bowl in Frisco, Texas, Christmas Eve, 1030 in the morning, Hawaii time. We will be back next week on Bowes Football Final to wrap up the season, officially wrap up the season. We thought we were wrapping it up a couple weeks ago after the final regular season game, but we will officially wrap the season up. We have a lot more to talk about in regards to what is going on in college football and in the University of Hawaii football program. As you said, question marks all around for the Rainbow Warriors. We're sorry that we weren't able to get the Bose football final mailbox this week, but although this is a podcast, this is also on KJON2.com. So we have some time constraints. We can't just be up here all day long. So we'll get back to Bose football final mailbox next week. But RJ Hollis, my man, Spectrum Sports Analyst, the former University of Hawaii offensive lineman and all-time good dude, Hall of Fame, good brother, <laughs> first ballot gold jacket, RJ Hollis. Mahalo for joining us. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and we'll catch all you guys next week on Bose Football Final. Aloha. <laughs>